Welcome to HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. My name is Mike Chisholm. As always, I'm extremely excited to be here uh, having conversations with cool people and talking a little bit about the uh, the culture that we live in and trying to navigate through that. And through that, hopefully giving some pause for thought, some inspiration, uh, some support. And uh, today's episode is really exciting for me. Uh, we're going to be talking to um, a pro wrestler and a legendary pro wrestler who has been uh, in the business for decades, has had a phenomenal career as a wrestler and also a phenomenal career outside and since. And, and many people regard this man as the greatest uh, pro wrestling teacher that's walking the earth right now. I'm really excited about this because I've worked with a lot of pro wrestlers of since 2013 through some of the little adventures that I've uh, gotten myself into. And um, there has been not one person, while I've had a lot of very good wrestling conversations, there has not been one person that I've enjoyed talking to more than Al Snow. Al Snow is here and he's going to talk to us a little bit. He's taken time out of his very, very busy schedule. Uh, he runs Ohio Valley Wrestling, which is, I believe, the first and only accredited pro wrestling school maybe even on the planet. Al Snow, thank you for taking time out of your day to be here with us. Oh, thank you for having me, Mike. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, man, I'm excited to have you. Uh, before we kind of get into some of the uh, the minutia of your career and things like that, talk about OVW. Where's where's Ohio Valley Wrestling at these days? You're doing some pretty exciting things. Uh, yeah, we are. I mean, we're facing challenges like everybody else because of the pandemic. Um, yep. There are definitely uh, uh, some very steep hills that we have to climb. Um, but um, we've changed the business model from an attendance based, which I've been trying to do for the last little over two years since we bought the company in June of 2018. I apologize. And uh, we've slowly made the transfer to more of a content provider. Um, uh, it'll still be a live event company, um, and, uh, uh, traditional, traditional, like a traditional wrestling company, but, uh, it, it will be more about monetizing the television product to its fullest extent. And to those goals, um, we started in March just as the pandemic hit, of course, and, you know, and what better timing, but, uh, <laughs> We expanded onto a national network here in the United States, which was YTA. Um, it reaches 44 million homes, both broadcast wow. and linear, uh, which is uh, cable television. Um, and then we just continued to, you know, we spent several months on that. And then um, our representative um, began to shop us around to other national networks. Um, they would contact the representative and, um, and then she would send out five or six different shows and they would inevitably, they would choose us. Um, and so as a result, we're on, as of right now, we're on seven national networks. Um, we're on the YTA, which gives us a 44 million home clearance nationally. Um, Sports 11 USA, which gives us 55 million homes uh, clearance nationally. We are, that takes us up to almost a hundred million homes. Wow. Um, we're on the RNC network, the Lilly network, uh, which cover major markets such as Chicago, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Manhattan, um, yeah, Hawaii, uh, Guam, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Bahamas, 
uh, all, basically all the Caribbean. Um, we are on untamed sports, which is an access of another 4 million homes. Um, we are on, um, just recently we went on game plus, which is a, uh, network owned by Anthem. Anthem owns, uh, impact wrestling and uh, owns access TV. And yep. we're on their game plus, which broadcasts in the United States and Canada. Um, and so, um, we have a reach of about maybe 150 million homes, I think in the United States alone. Wow. Um, internationally, we are on our own Roku channel, Amazon fire and Amazon prime. Roku puts us in 27 different countries internationally, uh, Amazon fire and Amazon prime, 220 different countries. We are on a European sports channel, which is, uh, called sports international and reaches about 690 million homes internationally. Um, wow. all within the last probably six, seven months, um, it, we've just exploded everywhere. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it gives us great opportunities for monetization, which will of course take time to capitalize on those sure. opportunities, but uh, we're headed in the right direction. Um, and as a result of the, uh, greater ex uh, exposure, we have had much more interest by, uh, talent who now want to be a part of OVW and of course, take advantage of and capitalize on that exposure. And, um, um we're thrilled to do it because it only beefens up and, uh, broadens our roster. So it allows us to have much more uh, creativity and uh, tell even better stories and uh, create even more interesting product to go forward. That's amazing, Al. Uh, I'm so happy on a personal level. I'm so happy to hear all of these doors that are opening up for you uh, to go back to how you started this. I mean, man, you run a pro wrestling company, uh, which, which part of the goal is, I know it's a school as well, but part of the goal is always mm -hmm. to put butts in seats. Difficult yeah. these days to put butts in seats with everything that's <laughs> going on. Are you sure. still, you're still running a weekly product then? Yeah, we had, uh, we went for a very lengthy amount of time where thanks to the restrictions, the COVID restrictions, um, you know, we couldn't operate even without an audience, um, uh, due to the, uh, state government and to our boxing wrestling commission. Right. Um, we had two hurdles to jump and then I'd say it was probably in late July, uh, early August. The, we live, uh, you know, Kentucky where, uh, Louisville is literally five minutes across the, uh, river, um, yep. from Indiana. And, um, uh, you know, I started, uh, running television tapings again there probably late July, early August. Um, because they, they had loosened the restrictions much earlier, much quicker. Right. And we were able to have a very restricted uh, amount of people, but at least we were able to start producing uh, weekly TV again with an audience of some sort. Right. Um, then um, we finally, because of our um, submission to the uh, state, uh, Office of uh, Health and Safety. Um, they uh, approved our uh, COVID-19 measures for operations mm -hmm. and um, agreed that they were, you know, that we met all safety protocol for everybody involved. Right. And as such, we were allowed to begin operation again once more in uh, Kentucky. And uh, we've been, you know, um, doing TV on a weekly basis. We have a very limited audience. Um, partly because of the restrictions and partly because I think still people are still a little hesitant to leave their homes. Right. Um, but 
again, it's an audience and it, it, it allows us to um, uh, create uh, a show that, that has its the most important factor. And that's that live audience, because without right. that as part of the equation, um, it makes it very, very difficult uh, to successfully do something in the proper manner with professional wrestling. So. I totally agree. Um, a, a buddy of mine is in the pro wrestling business on the local level, and and he just ran uh, a show which was following all of the, you know, there was a, a person in between each, uh, you know, the blank seat or two blank seats between each person and whatever. And he ran that show and, and um, having the audience there, it's so, the times that we live in, it's so interesting how a year ago, we weren't even thinking about, we were going into concerts and jamming like sardines in, 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 in arenas and all these things and enjoying all of these forms of entertainment and how, yeah. how quickly things can change in a year. One thing, yeah. and I want to talk about the book here in a minute, because the book's really, I love this book so much. Um, well, thank you. Um, it's, it's such a good book. Self-help, life lessons from the bizarre <laughs> wrestling career of Al Snow. Um, I want to talk about that. One of the things in the book that you talk about, and if, and if, and if you're an Al Snow fan already, you'll know this. As a pro wrestler, one of the things that uh, you need to do to survive is to continually be able to pivot and reinvent yourself. Yeah. And um, yeah, you did that in your career to, and your, oh, go ahead. Uh, it's just integral, you know, that you have to embrace change. It's the, and it's the one most difficult thing for people to do. You know, um, most of our misery that we create in life and our anxiety is our need to control. Uh, you know, and our need to control is born out of one thing and that's out of fear. And, you know, um, it's easy to say, I know. Um, but you really have to make a conscious decision as to whether or not you're going to let fear dictate your life or you're going to have your life dictate your fear. And, um, you know, uh, um, uh, you've got to make that decision for your, for your own sake, you know? Um, and then once you do, you'd be amazed at how, how much freer you'll be, um, you know, um, then because you're not a tree, um, mm -hmm. you're not planted in the ground. Mm -hmm. You have a circumstance in your life that you're not happy with. You can leave, you know, you can change it. And everybody will give you a million, quite honestly, a million different reasons why they can't. And the, and the reason they do that is because they play the what if game the wrong way. Everybody plays the what if game the wrong way. They always, well, what if, what if I leave and, I can't find a job or what if I leave and I find a worse situation or what if I do this and this happens? Well, what if I walk down the street and the stoplight drops off of the cable and it crashes down on top of me and kills me? Yeah. Well, what if you walk in, you walk into a restaurant and there happens to be a Hollywood cast, you know, um, um, casting, casting agent, agent there yep. and happens to see you and just seems to catch the right feel about you and become a major Hollywood movie star. You know, what if, what if you, you, you find a lottery ticket, turn it in, and it turns out it's the winning lottery ticket and you've won a million dollars. I mean, mm -hmm. but we don't play the what if game that way. We, we play it the other way, which is always that it's got to be something negative and it's got to be something miserable. So sad because um, it yeah. limits us so much in life. I, uh, I love that, the way that you put that, playing the what if game the wrong way. I, I look at, um, and I think about, I don't know the answer to this question. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but you know, you've talked about at the beginning of this interview, you talked about all of the, the houses that you are in and potentially are going to be in with your, with your wrestling brand. Would that have happened if COVID, you know, would you have been focusing so much on, on yeah. pivoting and getting into that if COVID didn't happen? And, and a lot of people are taking COVID and using it as an opportunity. 
And it sure. seems like you are doing your best effort to do that. What I'm doing is what I always do. And that is I take shit and I make shoe polish. And that, that ultimately at the end of the day, that's what life is, is you just take shit and you make shoe polish. You know, there is always, there, there, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the problem, there is always a solution. It's just that you've got to ask yourself the right question to get the right answer. And sometimes the hardest thing is to try to figure out what the right question is. You know, um, you can go through all kinds of questions and it'll never provide you the right answer. But eventually, if you keep at it, you know, you'll, you'll figure out the, you'll figure it out and you'll figure out a solution to the problem and you'll move on. Cause there is, there is no problem without some type of solution to some right. degree. And searching for that solution is, is integral. Um, with all these, with all these potential homes, uh -huh. uh, all these potential eyeballs on your product, is yeah. there a part of you that wants to get in front of the camera again in a big way? Not really. No. Um, because it's very important for me to, to always know what I'm selling. And right now, um, I'm really trying to sell, uh, the talent themselves and in, in, it's just, uh, it becomes a, um, you know, I've taken on more of a role an on-screen role of like being the commissioner type of thing where I walk sure. out there and I make rulings and I yell at people and things like that. Yep. But I don't, I don't want to do much more than that because, um, it's hard for me to see the bigger picture if I'm a character in the story, because now I've got to fo focus on my own part in that story. And, you know, of course I want it to be successful. Well, then I start losing sight of the, the other aspects of, of everyone else's stories. And, and, um, that's where there's some, you know, you can start having some gaps or missing pieces of the puzzle and making an audience go, Hey, why is that happening? Why, why is he doing this? Why? Where did she come from? Why, where did she go? Right. And I, I don't want that to happen. I want to, I want to try to, for you, the audience, to be able to tune in and um, invest your time. Uh, and, and, and for that investment of time, for you to be able to just forget about everything else and not have to sit there and question and wonder what's going on and just pick up on who's doing what, why they're doing it, what's at stake, and have fun. Right. You know, it's wrestling. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery because God Lord knows I wouldn't be doing it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's entertainment and we're not changing the world. We're just trying to change your world. Even if it's just for that one hour that you're watching it during the week. Well, and I, I can't think of a time where, uh, where entertainment in many ways is more crucial than it is right now. There's a lot of people who oh, are, yeah. there's a lot of people who are lonely and, uh, so and many he, have their assholes screwed on so tight. They can't think straight. So, well, yeah. and I want to go down that path with you a little bit. I, I, I want sure. to talk a little bit about how, like, even when you, we look at the cover of your book, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's you in your, in your heyday. Um, yeah. That's you, you know, right around the time of your, of your, uh, uh, you know, representing the character that you played in, in your yeah. biggest time. I would say, you know, the EC, ECW to the attitude era, you know, you're in programs with the rock among many, many, many other of the top, top talent of the day. You are a, a yeah. character that uh, stands out from all the other characters. And a big part of that is because you're carrying a mannequin head and you're portraying yourself as somebody who is uh, got some mental health issues. And, and schizophrenia. <laughs> you went down yeah. that path hard. Like you, you, you researched uh, mental health mm -hmm. issues and whatnot to build that into your character, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, uh, committed to it. Um, you know, it, it's very important that again, that you know what you're selling, and that you uh, you never because unlike with acting, um, and the, the people don't understand that. This is why um, back in the studio days, they created uh, what we call in wrestling, we call it a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want for, you know, but I can't think of another term for you to understand, but um, uh, they, the studios you created the gimmick of a movie star. And the reason they did that was because um, you may like Tom Cruise and uh, you may like him in uh, The Last Samurai. Sure. But there's there's no guarantee that you're going to pay to see Tom Cruise, the actor, in um, Mission Impossible because right. it's a different character. Do you understand? Yes. But now if you like Tom Cruise, the movie star, that's why they the, the Us magazine and, uh, you know, Inquirer and all the people, they're all there to perpetuate this this uh, gimmick, which is not real. Right. Quite honestly, of a movie star or celebrity, which is to uh, make you believe and feel like they live a life that's larger than yours so that you can continuously want to be them, to emulate them, to live vicariously through them. So that then um, when you see them advertised in another movie playing a different character, you're motivated to buy a ticket to go watch that movie. Because at the end of the day, a movie actor's job is preeminently not to act. Mm-hmm. A movie actor's job is to motivate you, the public, to leave your home and drive to that movie theater and buy a ticket to watch them perform their job. That's why they're held in higher esteem than a television actor is, is because it doesn't take any investment on your part as a uh, as a an audience to watch a television actor do his job. Um, it's still, you know, it's still a skill, and they're they're held in high respect, but not nearly like a movie actor. That's why the Oscars are more important than the golden globes or the Emmys, you know, right. it's, because it, it, it's, it's different when, you know, and, and you know, a good example is that Arnold Schwarzenegger was a terrible actor, but <laughs> you know, he got to make tons of movies because he was able to motivate the general public to want to come pay to see him. And, um, and, and the end of the day, regardless of what they tell you, you know um, it may be an art and it may be to the artists an art, um, but to those bookkeepers in Hollywood, you know, it's a business and, right. and, you know, they're not going to invest millions of millions upon millions of dollars in a movie, unless they think that they're going to make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars back. Right. You know, that's just the way it goes. And, um, you know, that, and that really, uh, as a professional wrestler, that really is a professional wrestler's job. It's not to wrestle. It's not to do anything but other than to make an, a, a connection um, to you as an audience. And as an actor, you do that in a film and then you stop. Right. You know, and then you start to take on the different role of a movie star. Well, as a wrestler, you're that character 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, right. and if you're not, if the general public sees you, and they see you not that character, not being that character, well, then they cease to believe in you. And if they cease to be able to believe in you, then they, are, they cease to believe in anything you do. Um, and they certainly, and the more important thing is they certainly cease to believe in why you did it. Um, but, and that's why uh, back in the day, and I tell people all the time, but it was uncomfortable. It was not fun. Um, but, you know, when I was really popular with the head, I traveled by myself and I would, 
after shows, I would go to a restaurant. I would bring the head in and I'd ask for a table for two. I'd set the head on one end of the table and me on the other. And I'd order for both of us and sit there and have conversations and argue and fight with them. And, and I've got kicked out of numerous places, you know, um, gyms, uh, hotel lobbies, um, restaurants. Um, but the reason I did that was because, you know, if one, if you knew who I was from TV, you, right. you're, oh, this guy's completely insane, you know? <laughs> and if, if two, if you didn't know who I was and three weeks from now, you happen to see me on TV, come out and you go, oh my God, come in here. There's a guy that in the restaurant, remember him? He was talking to his head. That guy's really, he's really crazy. Now you're more likely to continue to watch me. And let's face it, a lot of the stuff I did was completely ridiculous, but sure. nobody questioned it. Nobody doubted it because they truly believed that I was, I was out of my mind, that I was completely insane. Um, you know. I, I want to talk a little bit about that character then. Um, and I mean, you, you, even back then, you experienced um, waves in the political correctness landscape. You, uh, sure. you, you, you did. You, you had a toy that was banned. Because the sure. toy came with, with the mannequin head. And, well, that uh, was the start of cancel culture, really. Yep. Um, you know, that was the beginning of that absurd idea that, you know, the, because in both your country and mine, Canada and the United States, and, and any, really in Europe, around the world, you know, the vocal minority now control things, not the majority. Right. Because um, corporations are so scared to death, um, you know, that they, you know, that uh, if anything possibly potentially could be taken negatively, that they panic in a heart, heartbeat and bow down, you know, to people. And, and that whole thing happened because I had an action figure that had a, had a Barbie doll head in it. And uh, two women who were of all things, assistant professors of communication, which makes us even a greater sin did no homework. Cause why would you do that? Why would you need before you expound your opinion in a public forum? Why would you ever need to do any actual homework or background or investigation? You just, you, you know, you, you, you have information. So, you know, you have the package. So all you need to do is just jump to a conclusion and make an assumption and then make some slanderous or libelous claim um, via, you know, like they did because the internet wasn't what it is now and no. social media certainly wasn't then. Yeah. And that you wrote a letter to the Atlanta Constitution. The Atlanta Constitution, because wrestling was so popular at the time, of course, printed it. And yeah. uh, Walmart panicked. And of course, and I'm still, my action figure is still number five on the uh, top 21 things that Walmart won't sell because they're a danger to the community. I got beat out by Bar pregnant Barbie, who's number one. Pregnant um, Barbie's number one. <laughs> yeah, what a whore. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and the absurdity, because I love irony. And the irony of this whole situation was two weeks later, um, Johnny Depp's movie, The Headless Horseman, came out with an action figures in Walmart with actual decapitated heads and nobody said a word, um, you know. But it made me a national news event for two weeks and, you know, I couldn't have been happier. So it just, <laughs> but it, it disturbs me because we, it's, now you watch it even more uh, the pro proliferation of these types of actions being taken on social media on a much greater scale. And I yeah. cannot wait. I cannot wait until the day comes to where some attorney out there, finally, I'm shocked that they haven't done it. I really am. 
because you'd think that attorneys are intelligent. Huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and um, would be, you know, cause they're entrepreneurs. I mean, they just want to make money like everyone else. Sure. Here's your chance guys. I'm going to give you guys the attorneys out there in the world, some free advice. Here's a way for you to make a ton of money because you're going to have a ton of ready-made cases. Yeah. For every single time somebody goes on social media and makes some ridiculous, libelous, slanderous claim that could potentially, and does, not just potentially, but does directly out, it does have an effect on people's lives and their ability to earn an income, sue them. Yes. So that yes. we can now create some repercussions and ramifications for these people who feel that they're invincible because of their their sense of anonymity because they're sitting behind a keyboard and they can feel free to make any remark they want without any substantiation whatsoever. Or responsibility for those remarks. None, none. Yeah. You know, and they could take anybody to task for anything that happened at any point of the timeline that could have been 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and who cares what damage it does to these people. Right. Let's just be, be damned. Responsibility be damned. Let's just take everybody to task and we can be a, a social justice warrior and feel better about ourselves. And uh, it's interesting to hear, like, I love hearing your take on it. And, and one of the things that I do love about you is that you are a leader and that's what you are. You're known as, uh, uh, you know, you're a leader in your company. You're known as a great teacher. Um, you are not afraid to stand for your convictions in a time where if people stand for their convictions, they can actually get themselves in some real hot water at a bare minimum that uh, repercussions happen and they ask questions and then, okay, we're going to take back those repercussions. And, and it really, well, you can't, can't, you can't take those repercussions back. Right? Because once you're tried in a court of public opinion, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. That's it. It doesn't matter. And the retractions always happen. No matter, even back in the day with the newspapers will always happen, not on the front page because that's not salacious and it's not no, exciting. And it's not, it, it's not, you know, seductive and, mm -hmm. you know, it's not scandalous. No, we, we do that on the back page, you know, back in the obituaries where we just print a little paragraph that says, oops, we made a mistake, you know, and the same goes for these people that do things on, you know, social media, they'll yeah. never come back out and apologize and make it a big thing. And it won't happen. And the, the people that jumped on it and, and, you know, because one of the truest mantras are that misery loves company. And, yes. um, and that really, unfortunately, is what has been driving social media so much these days. Yes. Um, I'm in full agreement with you in the sense that the mm -hmm. pendulum has swung really, really fucking far. And it's probably uh, going to swing back at some point. And it's going to, whether it's, 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 uh, unless you, you have some saying, from, from lawsuits and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, but the idea that, um, you know, I go back to when I was a kid and we talk yeah. about free speech. And it's yeah. like, okay, we can say whatever we want to say, but you can't go into a crowded theater and shout fire. Yeah. You There's know? a reason why. Yeah. Because for every right you have, you have an equal and commensurate amount of responsibility. Yes. Okay. And please understand, um, and, you know, because everybody today wants to be a victim. Okay. And the, and the reason that everybody wants to be a victim is they're being conditioned to be victims. And the reason they're being conditioned to be victims is because there are a lot of people that have special interest groups. And the reason he calls them special interest groups is because they have their interests, not yours. Yes. And I used to make this statement years ago when um, they would trot me out every week when there would be the local television station or whatever would want to come and do the interview about wrestling. And they'd always ask, 
oh, do you see yourself as a uh, role model, you know, for, for children? And I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, I do. And they go, how do you say that? I mean, you're involved in wrestling. I go, no, you didn't ask the right question. Hmm. You asked if I was a role model for children. I absolutely agree. I am 100% for mine. I'm a role model for my kids. I'm not a role model for yours. Okay. <laughs> I'm a public figure. Yeah. And your children can idolize me. Uh, hell, as adults, we idolize public figures. Sure. But as a role model, if your children are looking outside his or her front door for anyone other than their mother and father to be the role model, then your mother and father ain't doing their jobs. Right. Simple as that. I don't ask anyone else to raise my kids. No one. Uh, that, that Hillary Clinton BS about it takes a village. No, it doesn't. It takes a parent to raise a kid. Okay. And if my kids are going to be screwed up, guess what? I'm going to be the ones going to screw them up. If they need to go to uh, therapy when they're older, I'm going to make sure they get their money's worth. All right. I'm going to give them enough issues to where they at least can sit down for an hour and have a good conversation. And that's in, and, and I want you to do the same so that if I'm doing anything that doesn't, your kid sees me doing anything that doesn't jive with what you were, you were teaching them with what your morals and your beliefs are. then he looks at me and goes, well, that ain't right. Based on what you taught him, not what I teach him. Okay. I'll raise your kids if you want, and I'll do a better job of it because I'll be a parent. Right. Okay. And I'll take the responsibility seriously. Just like, well, you know, uh, you're, you're on a show that, you know, children watch. No, they don't. Uh, I have multiple TVs in my home. I'm very successful, have a lot of money so I can afford a lot of television sets. And you know what I do? It's called this crazy thing. I watch TV with my kids. And if I don't like something on a particular show, I turn the channel until the offensive part of it leave for me, what I feel is offensive. And then I turn back in. But I don't let somebody else dictate to me what they think is offensive for my kid. Right. Because that means they've now taken my responsibility. And if they've taken my responsibility with my children or anything else in my life, then they've taken the rights that go along with that responsibility. Yes. And as far as I'm concerned, you're not taking any of my responsibilities because I'll be happy to bear the consequence for every one of them so that I can then have the right to do them. Right. I have the response. I have the right to free speech, but I also have the responsibility to inform you that I am 100% responsible for everything I say, but I am not responsible for what you can understand or discern out of it. Right. That's your problem. Um, I love hearing you talk about this stuff. I don't think it's <laughs> talked about enough uh, publicly. I think it's, it's going to come to a, for lack of a better term, I think it's going to come to a head at some point. And uh, it's going to have, there, ha there has to be a reckoning at some point because you're right. Um, in any it, other it comes circumstance. Down to us. It comes yeah. down to us. Nobody else. You know, we have election day today in the United States and everybody's so polarized and, you know, to the point where people are stopping or ceasing to be friends with each other. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? Let's say my guy wins and your guy loses. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to wake up and I'm going to come in here into OVW and I'm going to bust my ass trying to do everything I can to make this succeed. If your guy wins and my guy loses, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to bust my ass to do everything I can to make sure OVW succeeds. My life's still just going to go on. It's just going to keep going forward. You know, and yes. if you like a certain person and you support them, Hey, go right ahead. I mean, that's, that's up to you. Those are your beliefs. And that's, and I get that. That's, that's what you want to do. 
I, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm, you don't need to see my side of it. Um, and I don't have to see your side of it. Right. I, I can, and I do understand why you might support somebody, but that doesn't mean that I have to either. And it doesn't mean that I even have to support either of the two main candidates. Right. Um, you know, there are, there are several other candidates that are out there and we seem to think that we're in the United States that we're in some kind of lockstep with only taking only the two singular wings of the bird where there's <laughs> plenty of other feathers on there that we could pick. So, right. You know, I, uh, I really, really appreciate this perspective that you're, you're, you're bringing to this thing. Uh, the character that you played back then, I want to go back to that for a minute. It, it sure. took, it took courage to play that character. It took courage to go into restaurants and, 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 and at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many days of the year did you make a scene somewhere? Probably every single one of them. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> whether it's a big scene or a small scene, could that be yeah. done today? If, if one of your students yeah. came to you and said, Hey, I want to develop this character that is as, um, as, as, as uh, button pushing potentially for a certain audience or politically incorrect for a certain audience. Um, could that be done yeah. today? Yeah, absolutely. Can, because it wasn't a character and you know, it was, it was just an aspect of my personality that I turned way up at the time. I, 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 I mistook a lot and was very immature and I blamed a lot of other people and outside external influences on my own frustrations. And, and really it came down to the fact that it was really me and um, my not focusing on the right things that led to my frustrations and not being as successful as I felt that I should be. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, what I did was the head gave me, gave that voice, gave me that voice um, to bring that side of that, that frustration out. So the reason that it worked was because it really was who I was. I wasn't really legitimately, I guess, I mean, maybe if I were to, you know, uh, analyze myself, I could say <laughs> that I was, you know, clinically to some degree insane, but you know, when, to that, to that end, you know, who's to judge, you know, because somebody views reality differently than another person doesn't necessarily mean that they're insane. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, you know, I used to ask the question, it would drive people nuts all the time because they're like, ah, you know, that head doesn't talk to you. And I'm like, how do you know it doesn't talk to me? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I can't hear it. And I go, do you believe in God? And they would go, yeah. And I go, well, I can't hear God talking to you. <laughs> and that's not to say, because I know a lot of people, oh, oh, he's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. Of course, I believe in God. I don't believe in religion. I think right. that's a complete work. But uh, I do believe in some kind of higher power. Otherwise, we're all just this is all just random and we're all just complete higher operating animals. So yeah. that'd be I, uh, a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way that you, um, I love the way that you put things. I love how deep you go on these things and how the psychology uh, wormhole for you goes so deep on all of these subjects. As we kind of move to a close here, I want to talk a little bit about the book. Um, sure. There, I, I'm going to say this to the audience of the, he changed it audience out here, the he cast audience. Um, you know what? You may know the best fisherman in the entire world that has the best fisherman stories. Uh, I would put him up against any good pro wrestler and wrestling <laughs> stories are, in my opinion, my favorite anecdotes of any types of stories that are out there. They are, they're so out there that you almost couldn't even write it sometimes. Some of the things that, that these pro wrestlers, especially ones who came up the way Al did, uh, they were on the road for a long time and on the road, all of these crazy, crazy things happen. Um, Al, who is such a good teacher, has done a phenomenal job of creating a memoir 
uh, for his career with a lot of those amazing stories. But he is actually taking responsibility, even in the title, Self-Help Life Lessons from the Bizarre Wrestling Career of Al Snow. And I mean, you go through the book and I mean, there's mm-hmm. life lessons all over the place. Some of them comical, some of them totally yeah. true. You know, life lesson, if you won't stand up for yourself, why the hell would anyone else? And yeah. hey, guys, a lot of guys out there, that's what we need to do. We need to stand up for ourselves a little bit. Uh, because many of us are getting kicked around and we talk about that. And that's, that's one of the things that he changed it is trying to, trying to get rid of, um, you know, life lesson in 10 years time, you will regret the things you didn't do more than the things that you did. And, and on and on and on and on. Al, did you mean to write a personal development book? No, no. (laughs) I just, um, meant to, uh, you know, show where, um, I've grown and, and, and accept, I wanted to accept the responsibility for the mistakes I made and, uh, and then how it's shaped me and, and made me into the person who I am today. Not saying that to who I am today is perfect. <laughs> I still make plenty of mistakes. Sure. Um, but you know, I think Muhammad Ali said it best that if you still view the world the same at 50, as you did at 25, then you've, you've wasted 25 years. And, uh, mm. you know, I certainly do not view the world uh in any way shape or form the same way i did now here at 57 than i i did when i was 25 um you know i realize my responsibility in a lot of the decisions i made and those actions and how they had a ripple effect and how they affected not only me but you know um people's lives around me and how that that ripple effect goes out a lot further than you could ever imagine, you know, um, you think it, it, you know, it only affects just the, the, the inner circle, uh, the people closest to you where the rock dropped in the water, but that, that ripple just keeps going further and further out. And of course it gets less and less as it go, but it still, it still, you know, affects more and more people than you could ever, ever even think of. And, uh, you know, um, and I realized a long time ago that the more I accept my mistakes, the the less anyone can use them against me. The more I take their power away and the more I put it back in my hands by just simply owning up to them and, and going, yep, you're right. Um, I screwed up. And, uh, you know, and now I'm I'm moving on because let's face it, we all love to judge each other, you know, sure. um, as if we haven't made any mistakes. And, uh, and, and one of the mantras that I always like to tell people is, listen, don't judge other people just because they sin differently than you. Oh, you know? it's another one. That's another one. Because it's um, the truth. Absolutely. You, you're, you are sinning right now. You know, we both are, yep. you know, but be honest enough with yourself to go, you know, I am because that's what we do. Yep. I'm not perfect and never going to be perfect. And you know what? I got to I got to ease up on laying judgment on down on other people so much when I'm not perfect myself. Not judging each other is a huge thing. The other thing you said there that I just couldn't agree with more is giving people our power. Um, And I think in this time, until the pendulum does start to swing back, uh, you know, we can realize that we can turn off the social media and realize, like you said, I'm still going to get up and I'm still going to have the opportunity to live my day the way that I'm going to live it, no matter what is being said on social media. I don't want to give those people power anymore. You've done a phenomenal job of that throughout your career, be it from Walmart banning your figure. You didn't, you didn't crawl under a rock and and, and give up at that point. 
Um, and, and like you say, there's a correlation where cancel culture can kind of go back and that would be, that would be a, a, um, a sign on that road. Uh, that's a, that's a very interesting point that you've made up. Al, I, uh, you talk about the ripples. The cool thing about the rip is, is you've made a decision to make some good ripples and throw them out there. I can't recommend this book enough. Um, Where's the best place to get this book still? Can you get it direct from you Amazon. or is Amazon where you're going to go or Amazon would be the best place still. Yeah. Okay. Um, Amazon okay. would still be the best place to pick up the book. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm very flattered um, by people that have read it and said they enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I was worried about it. Um, I was very, uh, very reticent to write it. Um, because I just, I don't find myself to be that fascinating so um, or my life, but you know, enough people had, uh, really talked to me about it and motivated me to do it. And, and I thought, you know, I want to, I want to do something different. And, and one is that I don't want it to be dark. I don't want it to be bitter. I don't want it, you know, you know, in so many, um, biographies or, or memoirs, a lot of times are very, you know, they're always very, oh, it's like, you know, it's whatever you're reading it about is like the, the person's like, whatever passion was that they pursued, it was like, it was a cross to bear, yeah. you know, which drives me nuts. Nobody drove to your house and put a gun to your head and told you to go do it. So, you know, accept the fact that there were challenges and thing, you know, in uh, difficulties, but that, that was part of it. That was part of the adventure, you know, and, and you know, that's just how it goes, but celebrate the fact that you got to actually go out and live life, not just sit there and, you know, exist. And view you know, life. And I, you actually got to live it. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I've been very blessed. I really have. I've gotten to do what I love to do for as long as I've gotten to do it. And, you know, and I've, as long as I can just continue to fool everybody <laughs> for the next few years, <laughs> I'll just quietly ride off in the sunset at some point. <laughs> um, thank you so much for taking time to be here. I guess uh, we got, I can't, I cannot um, let the wrestling fans down at all. And I'm putting mm-hmm. you on the spot here, but uh, as we go home, uh, yeah. as, uh, the first story from the attitude era that pops up in your head, the first, the first wrestling story that just kind of pops up that <laughs> makes you chuckle or gives you pause. Um, give us, give us, give us, give it to us. Uh, it was probably, um, I think, I think I talk about it in the book, uh, was, uh, um, we do what's, uh, practical jokes within the wrestling business called ribs. Yep. And, um, uh, one of them, I think I still pat myself on the back for is that, uh, we were doing the build towards the kennel from hell, which that's a whole nother story. Oh, it sure Um, is. Uh, with big boss man and myself. And he fed me my dog pepper that he had kidnapped. Right. And Vince Russo Brink comes to me like the week before. And he's like, Hey, you know, I need you to do a promo. That's where you do a backstage interview, mm-hmm. making an appeal for anybody that's seen your dog. I said, well, you know, Vince, um, you know, anytime there's a dog that's lost, you know, you have to have a poster, of, you know, have you seen me poster? And he goes, well, go make one. You know, he just, you know, blew it off. And I was like, okay. So I thought, well, you're going to make a poster. It's got to have a phone number on it. Well, I'm not going to put mine. So I put Val Venus's post net phone number on there. And uh, we filmed it for Sunday Night Heat. We were in Philadelphia. 
And there was a TV backstage on that Sunday night. And uh, it, my segment came up and I went, oh shit. Cause Val was sitting right there. And so I left the room and I hid outside the door. And then it, the segment came up and I didn't tell the cameraman to zoom in on it or anything. And just the phone rang and I hear Val go, what, what dog? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. And he goes, no, no, no. You've got the wrong number. You want to talk to my mom. Cause his mom bred dogs. So he goes here, here's my mom's number. And he gives his mother's number to this guy. So the following night we go to Boston from Philadelphia to Boston for raw. Now this is live. Sure. And this goes, you know, it's even a bigger audience. Yep. And Vince Caruso, Russo comes up and he goes, Hey, we need you to do that again. Backstage promo, you know? And I said, well, you need the poster again. He goes, just make the poster. You know, I don't care. I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah. Okay. No problem. So, um, Blue Meanie and I run and, you know, make the poster up. We get a photograph and a pepper and we put it on the Xerox copy machine. And I make sure that I put Val's phone number on there. And I tell Bubba, the camera guy, I'm like, Bubba, listen, every time I point at this phone number, I need you to zoom in. He goes, what? I go point in every time <laughs> I point at the phone number, he just goes, whose number? It? I go, you don't want to know. So just as I'm saying this, Val walks out of the hall doorway down the uh, down the hall. He goes, "Hey, Al, what are you doing?" I go, "None, Val. Man, we're just shooting a promo. That's all. About to go live. About to go live." He goes, "Oh, okay." So then, um, every time I would, I repeated, "I don't know, man. Please call me. You happen to see this? See him at all? Please call me." And I would point at that number about four times on national TV. Well, then uh, about. We, we got done. And by the time you leave and you drive to the next town, it was probably two 30 in the morning. We're getting something to eat. And Val Venus traveled with, uh, um, Albert and, uh, um, Matt Bloom and, uh, yep. test. Yep. And, um, at the time, and, uh, all of a sudden my phone rings and he's like, you asshole. <laughs> I'm like, what he goes, he's laughing. And he goes, Oh man, you put my number up on TV. <laughs> and he said he had, thousands of thousands upon thousands of calls <laughs> to the point where he had to cancel his phone number and get a new phone number. So that is um, fantastic. He was, a, he was a he was a really good sport about it. And, you know, he, he never got me back because there was no way he could top that. <laughs> and shout out to uh, Sean Morley, another friend of mine, Val yeah. Venus. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal prank. That is. Uh, yeah. Um, I am so grateful that you, uh, that you took time out of your day to do this for us. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for um, having me. If you're willing to do it again, I know next time one of uh, yeah. our, our, uh, the people who love, he changed it, love workout routines and things like that. You are in phenomenal shape now, next time, just to tease a little bit, if you ever do come back or when you come back, um, your, your workout strategies and things like that. I, uh, you're, you're in phenomenal shape. You look great. Um, well, thank you. I'm so grateful that, uh, I know you. And I appreciate you doing us this solid and coming on HeCast today. Um, oh, same here. Thank you very oh, much, Mike. No problem at all. And we will do our best to help promote Ohio Valley Wrestling. And uh, let's all climb to some higher highs, my friend. Yeah. And let's just have fun. You know, none of us are going to make it out of this thing called life alive. So why not relax, unclench your butthole and just laugh a little bit. <laughs> and with that. so offended. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and with that, another episode of HeCast is... Uh, 
is in the can, as they say. We are very grateful for our guest today, Al Snow. For those of you who uh, haven't downloaded the beta yet, go to hechangedit.com. You can sign up for the beta, but it's going to be in the App Store here very, very soon. We're very excited about that. Um, info at hechangedit.com if you want any other uh, uh, information. And um, with that, for HeCast, I am Mike Chisholm. Thank you very much.